Welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North-South Connection, we are back with episode two of Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Mike Rossi and Rocco Martone, are you guys ready to tendulate the juices of the masses? <laughs> Always. Mm-hmm. Always. Let's start with Rocco. Rocco, what's up, man? You ready? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I am ready. I am good and ready. All right. To Ross, tenderize. Good and ready? Yeah, I'm good. I was very thrown off by the tenderize line. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> He's more used yeah. to ten- tender wise than tenderize. Yeah, it's 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 the Boston accent, whatever. Anyways, guys, we uh we got off the line last time, and well, news just kept coming out. This time around, we kind of have like a ketchup version of the news instead of like a hot spicy mustard version. Now, before we get going, Rocco, I know you cannot stand watching people eat, but I gotta know, <laughs> are you a mustard or a hot do- or a ketchup kind of guy on your hot dogs? I will go plain ski on a hot dog if I'm going to shove it in at a, at a barbecue or something like that. But I'll throw like a piece of onion or a pickle on there if I'm really going to do something wild. But uh, condiments what? disgust me in all shapes and forms. On your knees, dog. <laughs> oh, Oh, yeah. Well, hot dogs are kind of gross anyways, but pickle... All right, anyways. All right, so Vince McMahon, Mike Rossi, where are you with Vince McMahon? Uh, not like... I think we had we had the scope of the, uh, the the story, but a little more details came out afterwards. Like, it's the board that's investigating him. You know, every law firm that are blood-sucking leeches are going to, you know, try to get on this and sign their name to it and find anything. But I believe that the eight board members outside of Nick Khan, Triple H, and Stephanie are the ones that are looking into it. Um, a friend of the paralegal is the one that reached out to those board members. So who knows the relationship there? And the um, and the bo- the eight board members are the ones that kind of put Stephanie in charge. Now, there's plenty of roads to go down here still. There's still so much more information to find out. But, you know, Mike Rossi, what, what do you think your – what is your vibe of Vince McMahon's kind of reaction or tone or whatever to his situation, as we'll put it? Sure. So I was shocked with just how out in front of it he got. I mean, coming back to TV the day that he was removed as CEO, basically – um, which, granted, we know is just a temporary thing, and he's still running the show. Like, that's pretty much the belief that I think everybody has at this point. Um, I was surprised that he came on TV that night. I mean, I'm surprised that the board was cool with that happening. Um, but, I mean, obviously, again, Vince just showed that he has a lot more power in this situation than people expected him to. Um, he's still the guy in charge. He still controls 51% of everything that this company is worth. Uh, there's definitely going to be... A lot more that keeps coming out. I mean, there was a story that came out this week with the old ref that was accusing him of rape. And like we had said last time, there's so many more angles that this could go. And the stories can keep coming in similar to that. Um, I know he's probably got multiple NDAs out there. 
Uh, now, how many of them did he completely lock up and how many of them might be things that, you know, expired or, you know, he kind of let loose. It's very interesting to me and what's going to happen next. And plus, he's been on TV for, what, three out of the four TVs since then? Uh, That's crazy. Um, And yes, and this past Monday, he was in front of the entire roster. Um, Obviously, the roster's, you know, not going to show an opinion at that point. But it's just very weird how everything has played out so far. Um, and it makes me see, makes it seem like the, the everything that's going to happen isn't as serious as it may have originally sounded. Rocco, it is super odd and t- like very Vince McMahon that he's just it's he's just rewriting history like he always does. Like oh, I'm coming out, nothing's wrong, and it's weird because like a Louis C.K. gets accused of sexual something, and you don't see the guy for two years. This motherfucker's out. In front of TV for the first time, like four episodes of uh, TV for the first time in forever. And it is just wild to watch it. Um, he just uh, just if you look at YouTube comments, because they disabled comments on one of the YouTubes of him coming out. But the other one had it. And it's wild just to see these dudes. They're just like, oh, it's great to see him out there. He's like not letting <laughs> it affect them. It's like, I think you got the wrong side of the argument on this one. But uh, I don't know. It just reminds me of a kid who. I don't know. You ever like hit your sister too hard, and then you just pretend your hand hurts too? Like, like he fucked up, and now he's just not acting. Like he's just distracting everyone, and uh, it's uh, it is what it is, man. He's just gonna do whatever the fuck he wants until he's dead. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that. Yeah, it's an arrogant move, but I don't know. It's a calculated move, obviously. But I'm sure I there's don't... plenty of PA, P, PR people that have weighed in heavily on what he should do. You know, I'm sure it wasn't just his voice. I'm sure they've consulted yeah. people like, what do we do? And that's what he did. And it worked. People and I don't it. know if that was there. <laughs> and it's crazy to – I couldn't tell you if it, that was their recommendation or not. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's no way. But just real quick, with the, uh, the, with the referee from 1986, the female, um, you know, those backstories are kind of wild. The, if you, even if you look into and believe the Billy Jack Haynes side of it, where <laughs> where he was involved in a way, but I don't know how to read that. Do I read that as like the first story coming to life because it's kind of the oldest story, or is that the kind of the only one? Whoever the people are that are targeting Vince here, or whoever the law firms or whatever, just whoever's there trying to uncover all this and whoever's releasing all this information is their modem. Let's release the oldest first or their modem is fuck. This is the only one that we can kind of get to, you know, alluding to what Mike talked about a little earlier, saying who knows what's uncovered, who knows what's under, you know, firm grip and who knows what. So I don't know. Which way it's going to go? I, you could read the Rita, I forget her last name, but the, the referee from 1986 accusing Vince of raping her in the back of a limo after Snoke, uh, sniffing coke off her chest with Billy Jack Haynes, which is wild. But anyways, um, so who knows if that's the only one they could uncover and that's the angle they're going or if that's the first one and that's the angle that they're going. So this story is yet to uh, develop. But speaking of PR, Vince McMahon, you know, or his team or whatever announcing that we're getting it leaked out there that Sasha is going to get released. As soon as we, you know, finished this episode last week, that came out really late Wednesday night. And that's the same day the Vince McMahon stuff leaked. So the, you know, the, the modem there releasing it that late being, 
oh, Thursday morning. Let's get the Vince news out of there as much as we can. So let's get this Sasha story out there. And it seems to be, you know, two weeks later, doesn't really seem to be much substance there. You know, Rocco, what do you what do you think of this Sasha Sasha situation with our lead diva analyst? <laughs> it seems strange that the, the thought process was we have a rape accusation, so let's fire a super popular woman and say a, a weird thing about her. I also thought it was really strange, and I might be noticing this, but they announced Jessica Carr's name as the referee for a match, and I don't think they've acknowledged the referee as a match having a name in a while before a match. And yeah, I thought that was uh, quite- Rocco, they said she was the first one. They totally ignored it. Yeah, but they also said her name on like the on commentary. They said Jessica Carr is your, and I'm like, they don't acknowledge human people on this show. I don't want a woman. So I thought that was a little weird. I think the Sasha thing is, uh, it, it does annoy me, and I don't like a lot of the back. I I think that people are forgetting. I think because she's a chick, a lot of people are negative about her whole situation. When everyone likes Pat McAfee, right? And Pat McAfee literally did the same thing she did, and he doesn't get the fuck like. He left the Colts because the general manager was a shit who was ruining, who was fucking up his career. He went to Barstool. He left Barstool because he didn't like them because they were fucking up his career. Like, she did the same fucking thing, but because she's a chick or people think wrestler, like, all these wrestlers should be doing what they did if that's what they did. And what happens is, think about back with the whole WrestleMania with the tag belts thing where this whole, like, laying on the ground crying thing. It's like, oh... That rumor obviously came from inside a Vince McMahon or John, whoever the fuck was in charge of that. Like, the they always say it's not about business. Oh, Vince McMahon, he's all sorry, he's, he's all about business. It's like, yeah, Stone Cold left him, and he literally spent a whole episode calling him a piece of shit. Sasha walks out because she's like, well, you're fucking up everything I care about, and all of a sudden there's a whole episode about how she's a piece of shit with Naomi and doesn't do business. It's like, um, you could just keep saying you're not, you don't take things personally, but uh, look at Randy Savage, look at all these ex- 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 examples, like. It's just all, all full of shit, and uh, she should be back. I don't think he's, uh, she's she's awesome. Naomi's awesome. Uh, yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that she, at the end of the day, I think she'll be back. I kind of always thought she would be back. I didn't think that she was going to get released just because of her value. Um, I, I guess another report says uh, details being Sasha was, you know, hired lawyers to look into getting out of her contract in the WWE offered to let her buy out of it and Sasha having 26 months left on her contract that buyout would be ups to about one or seven figures so after maybe after you know dealing with licensing and future video games future just future stuff that they had planned for Sasha I guess the number that they came up with was one million dollars lost if they let her out of this deal on top of so that's probably like a two million dollar value on the Sasha Banks name since she was making about a million dollars after restructuring back whenever. So, and I guess she, the other, in including this report that she visited the wow offices in Los Angeles, which is kind of where she's, I guess, focused right now on living or whatever. So I guess she was with AJ Lee in the wow offices too. So believe that or not, while she was trying to get out of her contract, now we are here about a month, a week later, and I guess th- those didn't go as well. And here we are with rumors of her returning rather sooner rather than later. Rossi, do you believe she's going to be back? Yeah, I mean, I wh- my thought all along is like, where else is she going to go? Like, obviously, the easy thing for people to say is AEW, but she's going to have to work. Yeah, real quick. And then that's on top of 
the report I was talking about, the 26 months left in, there would be a one-year non-compete, if, with, including within the buyout. So continue. Yeah, so, I mean, if you wait a year, um, obviously she'd be a huge deal at AEW because, I mean, there you saw from that women's match on Sunday, um, if you watch the show, it, was, it just died a terrible death in the middle of the show. Um, and that's probably um, the two best wrestlers they have, you know? So it's she has a value to AEW that's probably even more than the value would be to WWE because she would be a transformative name for that company. But would she really be able to have great matches there? Would she really be able to, you know, make a dent in their ratings there? I don't think so. Um, And would she be worth that crazy deal that she'd be asking for as part of it? I mean, I think her move is movies. Um, And be, I mean, and the other thing too is the Sasha Banks name. Mercedes Renato is a cool name, but is it something that she's going to get attention from, from like Hollywood executives or is she going to get Hollywood executive attention as Sasha Banks? And what would her name be if she was in another promotion? Um, I see the wow thing as pretty much just like a place for her to stay in ring shape. Maybe she went there and just ran the ropes for a little bit. Um, I mean, I can't see wow. Why is wow viable for anybody? Is that even on TV? Like, I don't even know. And, and I would consider myself about as smart a wrestling fan as there is. And I don't even know where you can watch WoW or if they even have a show, you know. So there's just and obviously Sasha Banks would change that, but it wouldn't be Sasha Banks. It would be Mercedes something. So and that's the thing. It's like she's she's got the most value that she has when she's in WWE. She would realize that. And do I give her credit for what doing what she did to an extent? But. You can't act like you're happy as a tag champ one day and then not be happy two days later when they're trying to give you a, you know, a world title feud with Ronda Rousey or, you know, some people are saying it was reversed. I don't know. But either way, she would have made a ton of money this summer if she stayed with Vince. Um, We'll see where it shakes out. But I I can't really put thoughts together for actually going anywhere else. I mean, saying she could make a ton of money and saying, like, she could have been with Ronda, like, she's going to get jobbed out. Like, they, they, she, everyone else is being with Ronda. Like, making money, like, she's, it's, like, damaging her long-term, like, appeal is what, like, I think that is the worry, which is, like, the whole Stone Cold walking out thing. Like, to say that she made a bad choice, it's, like, I mean, she made the, she's an adult. She's going to fucking do what she wants. And to say she's going to WoW or whatever, she could have just been visiting her friend or something like that. Like, we were just speculating. But I, I agree with the idea that like they're like they don't give a fuck about the wrestlers they don't give a fuck about. And I think she realized she was not giving a fuck about that anymore. And she said, fuck this shit. Why should I deal with this bullshit? Why am I going to fucking damage my body and get treated like shit? Like I'm I'm not the cool new toy anymore. And uh, I don't know. I like that. She said, fuck off. Yeah, I just don't like that. The, at the core it is because of Rhonda. And you can think of whatever, but, you know, you well, she really to... cares about these tag belts, which is the uh, the thing that you've heard for so long. And it's literally they have they disappeared. <laughs> They're one of these things or... that they give so little about. They announced the tournament and it means so little to them. So she saw that. She's like, well, why am I doing this? This means nothing like I, I fucking anyone in their job. If you were treated like that at a job, like someone at Walmart being treated like that can't just fucking walk out because they need to work at Walmart. This chick has some fucking leverage. And she said, fuck that. I'm not going to let you treat me like shit anymore. And more dudes should be doing that shit. Dolph Ziggler should have done that shit 10 years ago. And he wouldn't be a fucking joke. Yeah, but he makes $2 million a year. <laughs> yeah, once again, <laughs> but, um, it's not always all about money. Though. I know, but, as, but I, don't, I look 
in a, in a way, I you know, I agree to an extent, but in a way, I see through the, yeah, I really care about these women t- tag team titles. I think she cares about the top spot, and the top spot isn't feasible for right, her right now. So is she sinking her teeth into those women's titles? Sure, you know, half-heartedly, but ultimately, I think she wants to be on top. With Ronda Rousey taking her spot, she's sour. That's, that's just my belief and my opinion. You know, but I, I do agree that, yeah, they should give more love to those mid-card women's titles. We've talked about that in the past, Rocco. It's a perfect way to elevate women's. It's a perfect way to put a star like Sasha Banks in there and to have meaningful stuff because she was doing mean, meaningful stuff with Naomi. They were probably the best tag team since her and, you know, Bailey holding the belt. So they had they had momentum going. It's just... It fizzled out. It's it's totally not 100% Vince's fault. It's totally not 100% Sasha's fault. It's somewhere in the middle. And honestly, it's probably, you know, if you ask Sasha, it's going to be, yeah, it's all Vince's fault with maybe a little of mine. If you ask Vince, it's all Sasha's fault with a little of mine. And it's somewhere in the middle, probably 60-40 Sasha. But now this is a pattern with Sasha, and I ultimately think it's a Ronda thing. But that's just me. And kind of to your point, too, like, so what you said there about like building up the middle card like belt, they don't do that at any point. Like they don't build up anybody, but who's in their main main event picture. Even everybody else is 50, 50 booked. Um, that's just the way WWE runs. Um, and you know, to, to, that's the point that I, with that, with her leaving that I kind of understood because she was like, all right, so we're the champions and you're going to job us out of singles. And then where's our momentum? That's the part that I get. But that's the shit that they've been doing for 10 years now. You know what I mean? And yes, I give her credit for that walkout because of that. But at the same time, like, I just don't know what her value is long term elsewhere when she loses the name as part of it. I think that the name is what makes her who she is right now. Um, that's what can get her on TV shows. That can, that's what can get her movie roles. Um, I just don't think that the Mercedes Vernado name is going to be what it is. And, and ultimately there's, there's always going to be, if you're not right now, if you're not Bianca Belair and you're not Ronda Rousey um, until Charlotte comes back, you're pretty much meddling in the mid card with these women. I mean, Becky is obviously a different level as well. And they're doing different levels with her as far as the storyline. But for the most part, even Becky seems like she's a relevant TV right now until she's back into that title picture. You know what I mean? So they just don't really push the women in the middle of the card to any extent. They don't push the men in the middle of the cards to any extent. So it's like, there's gotta be a happy medium. And that's where I blame WWE because if this didn't happen with Sasha, it would have happened with somebody else. I mean, Ali tried, but he doesn't have the name power to do it. Um, So we'll see if they, I mean, look at what they did with Riddle and they kind of, you know, they jobbed him out last week, did a story. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but that middle card is, is the part that needs to get the most love in this company. And that's the portion that if this does anything, I hope it eventually turns it around, but I don't think it will. Yeah. But she was dead. In, she was dead in the middle once she loses the Ronda and there's no hope of her rising up once she loses the Ronda while Ronda's champ. So that's her end of the game. That's just whatever. All right, guys, the, uh, the last topic here is Triple H. Triple H announces that he is back in some capacity. Uh, I don't know what kind of capacity it is. Hopefully, Rocco, it's to book the women's mid-card. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> that would be sweet. Um, he, uh, I mean, I don't think we're going to get NXT uh, like heavy metal version again like we used to have. But uh, <laughs> I feel like a Cameron Grimes is probably pretty fucking happy since he's a guy from that old kind of ter- era that is good. And it's probably fucking shit, man. I'm one of the last dudes left. Like, hopefully Trips is going to come in. And I don't know. 
from uh, TV on Tuesday. It looks like he is going to have a nice little spot ski. And so that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, Triple H run NXT was one of the coolest things WWE's done in 10 years. So I'm all for it if he's back and he has some say or if he's just kind of watching over someone else's shit and just kind of giving his advice. So one of the other, uh, you know, hopefully it's uh, for the good, man. I have hope. Yeah, I agree. Um, I actually hope in my in my opinion, I hope. Well, not my opinion, but I hope that it's more than NXT now. Um, with the Triple H version, I think we all would agree is overall better. You know, there's really no much much argument. I agree that the look is better now, and you know, a few small aspects are are better. But overall, Triple H killed NXT in a good way. You know, positively killed it, killed it in NXT. And I hope that you know he he puts his I hope he's allowed to put his energy on that main roster really, and go from there. So. Rossi, what do you think about Triple H? So, like, you know, he shows up and he says he's back. Um, and, I mean, it didn't look like TV. The TV didn't look any different this week. Um, and I know that they're building towards Great American Bash next week. So I wouldn't really expect it to really change much. But, I mean, I don't – with the people they have in NXT now, I can't really see – you know, the direction is not going to change. They're still going to stick to the 2.0 model. And, yeah, maybe the stories get better. But, I mean, I don't – NXT 2.0 is what it is. Like, I completely agree where you're at. Um, I kind of wish that his creative control, if he gets any, like, bleeds over to the main roster. Because a lot of his NXT guys are there. And a lot of those NXT guys are the ones – back to my last point on the Sasha combo. Those are the mid-card people that I think are being the criminally underused. Like, your Nakamura's, your Chompa's, your – um, who else, who else, Sammy Zayn's using well, but, um, like they're starting to do stuff with the Viking Raiders. Um, those are the guys that seem to be kind of stuck in the mud that they can do so much more with. Um, and you know, I mean, instead of having Omos in the, in the money in the bank, then they should have Nakamura in the money in the bank. It just makes a better match, you know? So we'll see what happens. I, I definitely think that Triple H having more creative control over something is a good thing. I just hope it actually is that. And it's not just like one quick pep talk he gave to the NXT roster. Yeah. At, at, you know, it just sounds crazy to say about a 50 year old man, but at 50 years old, he's the youngest version of like a Laurinaitis or a Bruce Pritchard. Like at least he's got his finger obviously on the pulse of what younger people might be into and not just while well, hiring people he thinks he can bang or just to Bruce Pritchard garbage. Fuck it. He's going to make everything a supernatural thing. I, at least he seemed to, at least he's got young daughters, you know, he, he seems to relate to younger people in a positive way, you know, like all the NXT people talk so fondly of him. So he seems to be able to be with those people and maybe judge and help their characters in a way that's not just making weird gangsters and shit like that, like they've been <laughs> doing in, T in NXT 2.0. So, you know, just having a younger presence than whatever the hell's been going on, it would probably be pretty cool too. And like you're saying, Having that lead into the NXT, into the mid card of real WWE is a, you know, kind of a cool thought, you know. Yeah, Rocco, I, mean, I, would, I would start sending your audition tapes to fill the poppy roll. Um, with poppy. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they had that code, the code orange, man. I could, we could do that. Put a chain of the dead on there any time of the day. I mean, shit. I mean, the NXT women's division is a solid mid card division for WWE. It's better than their mid card in the real WWE. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Enough of the news. It's it, it was catch-up news, but it was fun going over.
Alright guys, shit happens and technical difficulties arrives and Logan Crossland joins us for two hours and let's just put someone... Well, I, I fucked up. Let's just put it that way. I fucked it up guys. It's on me. Logan, I'm sorry. Mike, I'm sorry. Rocco, I'm sorry. But we're here. But hey, let's play with the bright side here. The, one more news story before we get into the Money in the Bank preview. We got Logan Paul signing a reported multi-year deal with the WWE stating that he's going to be on multiple pay-per-views for the 2022 and 2023 calendar years. Mike Rossi, where are you at with Logan Paul, man? I loved him at WrestleMania. I got high hopes. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely do too. He did like one or two days of training in NXT with like the MSK guys before Mania. And I mean, he was almost a natural. Um, He looked really good in the match. Um, I mean, I'll even venture to say I think he was better in that match than Dominic Mysterio was. There's definitely potential with the guy, and he comes with a lot of star power. He comes with a lot of followers. Uh, People just are drawn to the Paul brothers. And, I mean, this even opens the door for his brother Jake to get involved at some point down the road too, I'm sure. Wow. So so do you think that Logan Paul requested a trade out of YouTube to the WWE like Kevin Durant just requested a trade out of the Brooklyn Nets? You think that's the same thing, same thing, Rossi? Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's he was always the shittier of the two boxers anyways. He just took the money fights to put other people over, basically. He was never going to win his fights. His brother's actually a decent boxer. Um, so there's definitely a lane to do something down the road with both of them now. No, that's cool. That's cool. Now, Rocco, I can't get a read on you on, on your feelings on Logan Paul. I would go probably 40% okay, 50% Fucking fuck that guy. Ten percent indifference. What about you? Where are you at with this, Rocco? I'd say the fuck that guy's a little higher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, when you said trade, I thought you were gonna talk about trading like a Pokemon card that he was gonna do. Um, I think he's gonna be like a dude like me that's a little older is probably gonna fucking hate the guy right off the bat. Younger kids, obviously, he's popular for a reason, and that's why he's been involved in the stuff. I agree with the Dominic Mysterio thing. I'd rather watch him than Dominic Mysterio ever again. <laughs> And uh, I think when he comes in, it's going to be kind of a he's going to be a heel to older people, maybe. And uh, uh, he'll get over as a good guy with younger people a little quicker. And uh, I mean, he's definitely athletic. He's taller, but skinny. So uh, I know he's kind of shaped like Montez Ford, right? He's got to get that same kind of build. Probably yeah. has a little more muscle. So, yeah, I mean, good luck to him. I mean, he could, you know, I think I mean, I thought Bad Bunny was going to be the shit. So that motherfucker killed it both times he was in the ring. So go get yeah. on him, man. Yeah. Um. Well, I think Logan has a shitload of charisma. I'll, I'll have a hot take. I think he, he's bet. I think he'll end up better than Bad Money. Um, I don't know if he'll be as good as McAfee because McAfee can talk, but just charisma and heat-wise, you know, I think we'll add a lot to him instead of like Bad Money just kind of being beloved and like Bad Money felt like he's a fan, which is really cool. Logan, he doesn't might not have that fan vibe, so he can. I think his lane is definitely as thick as heel, but it's weird, weird right, you know, weird right now where Miz is, is his first feud and like Miz is a, I don't know, that's just fucking weird, but whatever. It's, get past there, it's gonna be multiple pay per views, and I'm sure that match will be fine. But all right, guys, we got money in the bank coming up this weekend. We talked about it yesterday with Logan. Logan did a good job of prepping us for the podcast today in the pre-production meeting. So, you know, Rocco Marto, what match are you most anticipating? Let's hit this old school of Mike previews. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just get a little old, as in like last month. So, out of the, out of the four, six matches on the pay-per-view, which one are you looking forward to the most, Rocco? 
mean, uh, you know, ladder matches are always super fun and, and uh, car crash kind of things to watch. Uh, but uh, the Usos uh, Street Profits match, I think, is probably going to steal the show. Um, the Usos have a history of doing that. The Street Profits definitely can. And they've really I think the feud's been well made. Uh, they've kept them. They've had, they, I don't think they've had an actual match together yet, which is cool. They don't they usually blow, you know, they don't always have a super fresh match, you know, especially with the Usos. So I think it's really cool. And uh, the Street Profits kind of have been portrayed as not being sure if they can pull off the big one. So I like that. I like the way they've been doing it. And uh, I think that's, that one's going to steal the show. Yeah, it's a good way to dictate, like, that was a, with the Street Profits and Cena stuff, it's a good way to dictate their character you know, accomplishments by winning the belts or their character, you know, pivot, which in result in a loss, possibly, which is if, if they get a little dirty and get a little heelish or if they, you know, break away and maybe Montez goes singles and Angelo does his thing, too. So that was a nice little thing. And of course, adding Cena to that ain't nothing but, a you know, some star power there, star power dust on Montez, little an equity there. So that's pretty cool. And, but, you know. These guys have had some matches together, and they always end up on the high end. But it's it's really cool that you don't really recall them, but they've been super good. So that's just kind of that's like a weird mix. Like they've been there, their chemistry is great. They they both mesh super well, but they're not super memorable because they really haven't been in a spot to go out and have a banger. But I anticipate this one to be pretty solid, Rossi. Yeah, I mean I like the Street Profits a lot. I mean Montez Ford. He's got I mean, really high potential. Um, not a big Dawkins guy, but he does his job. He's a good hot tag. Um, I think that these two are going to have a good match. They should have plenty of time on the show, too. Um, looking at the card, it's six matches to advertise. I don't know that they're going to add anything else. Um, so they should have time to, you know, get 15, 20 minutes and kind of go balls out. Usos are consistently strong on pay-per-views. Um, doesn't really matter who their opponent is, but they always put a good match together and you know, I don't think there's any threat of the Street Profits winning this match, but I definitely think it's something that, you know, should definitely be a show stealer for sure. Yeah, and with, pretty- the, and with the two ladder matches being the kind of main event, this is going to be the one a match that I can foresee with like good two count kickouts. You know, it's, re- it's going to be the one that really gets the crowd like going ooh and on because it's going to be close, you know. Yeah, this one is I'm interested in where they place this one within the card. And you think number one, but then they usually like to throw a ladder match key earlier than later since they don't want to have them too close to each other, right? Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. But uh, with the um, they might they might open with this though because you know they they don't have a world title match to to really headline the show. Um, so I could see them going with you know maybe the women's Money in the Bank second. I mean it's weird because they got three and three three men's three women's matches so. You probably want to try to go like men, women, men, women, men, women in some way. Um, see how that all shake out. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. But, you know, we we have one of them being the least anticipated match ever, being Bianca Belair versus Carmella. I don't know. Geez, Carmella came out in, I don't know, man. She was looking quite all right, I must say. But uh, other than that, I don't know. This feud doesn't really do much to me. I know that they add a little stuff on social to kind of add a little spice to this. But... I don't know. It's it's fine. I um I think you're shortchanging Carmel a little bit. I think she's always able to step into a match. Uh, you know, using a super kick is always kind of a way to get a cheap two count that'll pop the crowd too. So you always get that little more uh, investment from the crowd. But it's kind of a uh, pretty sure that Bianca Belair is going over on this one, and she should. I mean, it's kind of cool to not have the uh, 
put off the Rhea Ripley match a little bit and have her just have one more solid win, then maybe get to the bigger match uh, if if she's ready, if Rhea's ready for SummerSlam. So, you know, give her one opponent. The crowd hates Carmella. She's really good at making the crowd hate her. They love Bianca, and uh, it's just going to be a good, solid win for her to just keep going, you know? And I, it's good to have a match as a champ where you just kind of dominate an opponent, right? Like, it's not a bad thing that you don't always have you know, super superstar versus superstar on uh, every match. Yeah, it just feels, it just doesn't feel exciting and it's filler, but it, it is what it is. They were, they were in a tough spot with Rhea going down and Carmella is credible enough. And if Carmella is just being ultra heel, cheating like a motherfucker, I don't know if Selena's even involved with her anymore, but it's just, it's just Carmella yelling at the crowd, getting everyone jacked up and angry at her. And then Bianca wrecks her. People are going to be super happy to watch that. Yeah, I'm sure they'll go out there and have a decent little match. Yeah, I mean, I Bianca and Carmella, I mean, they, they've wrestled before. Um, in fact, I think they even wrestled the Money in the Bank last year, no? Am I, am I wrong there? I don't know. Uh, SummerSlam. Oh, or might it might have been Money in the Bank, actually. Yeah, you you might be right there. They were supposed – I know they were, they were scheduled for SummerSlam, and that's when they did the Becky return. But anyways, they've got a little bit of history together. I mean, Carmella's, Carmella's never great, but she's never bad either. She's kind of in the middle. So, And Bianca's got you know that athletic ability. They're going to have a good match for, for what it is. I mean, you're not looking for a four and a half out of this, but you might get three and a quarter or so. Yeah. It's fine. It's whatever. But – Oh, this this women's card is rough. Then we got Natty versus Ronda. I know Ronda is is fun in a way, but not really. Natty is fun in a way, but not really at all. But I really enjoyed, you know, Natty just kind of dressing up at her, and then they had to start speaking. And it, well, visually it was pretty cool, but just the substance, it's just rough, man. Rocco, what's going on with this, man? Save it. Yeah, it's tough. Two chicks that do not come off natural at all on a microphone um, and both kind of come off a little unlikable, even <laughs> in their social media life and personal life. So it's just one of those weird things where it's like it doesn't even make it's just a way to get Ronda a match. They're throwing a little sugar on it. A little sugar. A little uh, mustard, as you said yesterday, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just to put something on there to make you think Ronda has a small chance of losing, but I don't think that's a chance. Natalia could just be a dominating heel, maybe beat the shit out of Ronda. Ronda sneaks in the arm bar and, and beats her. Um, I think it's just another, it's just going to be another unimpressive match in Ronda Rousey's second year as a wrestler and uh, unimpressive year that she's had so far. I'm not expecting much. And uh, yeah, I think the collective groan when you realized it was going to be Natty versus Ronda was heard by everyone when this match was announced. They've tried in the build. They've tried to give it some interesting layers between your Natty hurting her to kind of add some heat to it. And, you know, because, I mean, Natty's not really like a heat magnet. Like, she's always kind of a lame heel or lame baby face. So they've definitely tried to make it interesting, but it just hasn't really built up the speed that you would want. I mean, there's there's parts of it that have been cool, um, I really did get a kick out of the baby carriage thing last week. Um, but overall, I mean, they, they trained together. I mean, Rhonda's primary trainer was Natty. So they definitely have some ability to, to maybe heat this thing up a little bit once the match starts. But it'll only get to a certain level. I mean, I don't think Natty really has it in her to get to a certain level. And, you know, Rhonda needs a good dance partner to really move a match into, you know, high level areas. And it is curious, like, why is the social media part better than the stuff they're putting on television? I did like the thing you said last week, but 
most of it's been very just generic. It's like, well, put the put the personal diggy stuff, put it on the TV. Like, why am I watching? Why, why do I have to read that or hear about it on like a website, not see it on the TV show? This seems a little backwards to me. I think it's kind of like a safe way for Ronda to be comfortable, hmm. you know, to get juice behind her comfortably, because I don't think she's comfortable on TV. And it's worked in the past with Becky. But then again, you have Becky Lynch out there driving it, who has that who had that big social media presence that, you know, that big social media reaction. And then you throw Rhonda shitstorm in there. It was just a perfect recipe. Now it's just like, you just get dudes looking at Natty and just like going on to the next one. There's no real investment there. You know what I mean? And some guys probably overlook Natty to go look at Jenny. So I, I really, I don't really know there. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's okay. But personally, I think that they're kind of maybe reminding us of those, Ronda social media waters for maybe something in the future. All right. But speaking of the future, Austin or Fury's future might be pretty bright after this pay-per-view, but I don't know. I'm not really sure or confident that he's going to get through Lashley here for the United States championship. I think it's, this is the perfect time to kind of easily quietly get the belt off of Fury just to kind of get him ready for Cena, if that makes any sense, by dropping a mid-card title to elevate him for a match for Cena, because that match doesn't really need it. Is there any chance here that John Cena has a sneaky, sneaky return and kind of screws theory, or is that just a waste of Cena? I don't think so. I feel like they would have done a little bit more with it on Raw if that was going to be the case, like maybe have Theory interrupt Cena when he did his... uh, thanking the world promo in the middle of the ring. Um, they, they did the little bit of the backstage tease, but it seemed like more of like, all right, we'll come back to this after the pay-per-view this weekend. Um, it, but it's also weird. Like, I, I definitely understand your point that, like, if he's going to move into a match with Cena, you don't really want him to have the U.S. title because he can't really see a scenario where Cena's going to run with that U.S. title for a little bit. Um, I mean, he'd probably lose the first defense of it anyways. I doubt he's around much longer than the show in Cardiff. But... At the same time, it's like, should he lose the title to Lashley? Does Lashley need the U.S. title? Um, should you really beat Theory before a match with Cena? Like, will he even be credible if he doesn't beat Lashley here? So it's kind of a weird spot. So I don't know. Maybe they have Cena cost him the title in the buildup to SummerSlam on TV. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I got gut instinct that Theory wins this as a way to kind of, you know, gear him up for that Cena match. Yeah, I mean, you could always do, like, Cena, like, maybe, like, Theory cheats a little bit and use the underhand tactics to beat Lashley, and then Cena calls him out, like, because Cena's kind of been saying, like, you have all the gifts, but you're not, like, utilizing them, right? You're taking shortcuts, so maybe Cena's, like, that title used to mean a lot to me, and they could throw back to when he had it, like, when he first started, you know? It's, like, 20 years ago, like, they're talking about, and maybe he says, like, you're tainting the belt that I love so much or something like that, and that's where this comes from. I'm just throwing shit out there. But him to call out theory for just having all the tools but not using utilizing them and like I see you and me. So maybe they could do something like that. And like you're saying, uh I mean if he if they throw up a US title match, I mean I kinda believe that Cena could win it, especially if it's before SummerSlam and you expect them. Ah, I don't even know that makes sense. But I could see that being a way they go about it. Um it's a match that, you know, it's a strange match to me. I I don't know what to think about it, so I'm intrigued that way because I really don't know where they're going with it. And it's a strange clash of styles and uh I think Lashley has better hoss fights than he does against smaller dudes, I think. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I really have zero idea what the outcome is going to be, unlike the two other singles matches that we discussed where 
pretty fucking clear, right? Bro, have you not seen the pose downs? Austin's <laughs> got some fucking juice on him, man. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's a, it's an interesting matchup, and I and I kind of dig two guys theory in Lashley, and and on paper, like you said, it doesn't really sound like awesome, but it's could be sneaky good. I think it's a really good test for both guys, and it's a. Uh, it's an interesting look for Theory to throw him in there with Lashley before the inevitable Cena match. But I think the belt should get off Theory. If they do the Cena scenario, whatever, great. If not, then just kind of maybe he slips on some baby oil or something and Lashley wins that way. Because, you know, whatever. All right. But that's the undercard for Money in the Bank, guys. We got the two main events. Starting first with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. We got Lacey Evans versus Alexa Bliss versus Liv Morgan versus Raquel Gonzalez versus Asuka versus Shotzi versus Becky Lynch. And Rocco, those are the names in order of how they qualified. So Evans was first, Lynch was last. Does that matter at all? (laughs) I don't think any of it matters except for maybe the Lynch parks. They really want to keep the story going of her just kind of having a shitty uh, summer so far. So uh, I think that's the only reason she made it in. So it was the most recent one to go in. I was always curious about if there's any rhyme or reason to that. Like I could see qualifying first for money in the banks being like a little spotlight on you for a show or two. It's just like, wow, Lacey Evans qualified. She's so special. You know, her name's on the graphic long on her or whatever. So I think that's kind of, you know, I think that's cool. A cool spot. But last is, Makes sense with Becky. I don't. I don't know. It's. I'm anticipating this much. Rocco, who do you think is going to win this, and who do you want to win this? Um, I think Becky. I think that's predicted. They don't very. They don't typically go unpredictable winners for these matches. So I think Becky. Even though I don't think the money in the bank should go on someone that could just call their own shot anyway, because main eventers get to make their own matches usually. So I think that's where they're going to go with. It's the safe choice for them. Um, I always want Oscar to win because she's my favorite. But a uh, you know, um, that's who I would probably want to, not based on stuff. And I think uh, who could benefit from the most in a way I don't want, which would be Lacey Evans, who needs a character. Um, Alexa and Liv have both kind of been doing not much. Raquel um, would be cool. I don't want to go through all the names and why I think they shouldn't win. But um, I think the most uh, I'm most looking forward to seeing Shotzi in the modern match environment. And uh, I think she's going to be the one that steals the show. All right, Rossi, do you think there's any wild cards out there that for winning or in who do you think should win? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lane in my head where Alexa wins. Um, I think Becky's going to win. I'm going to pick her. But with Alexa, like she's kind of in that classic. Let's give her money in the bank to heat her back up spot. Um, I mean, she's been, you know, former money in the bank winner, um, cash in the same night, won the title in a Ronda match. So there's some past history there. Um, and then there's also, you know, they kind of been aimless with her since she came back. She's still holding on to the doll, which just isn't like that's so they can sell dolls. You know, it is what it is business. But Alexa's popular. She sells merchandise. She's got a good following. And she's definitely somebody that they could kind of rock it up the card right away by giving her this briefcase when she's kind of been meddling. Otherwise, kind of say the same thing about Liv, but. Liv's not that, like, iconic name like Alexa has been in the past. Um, Alexa's been able to push an entire 
brand on her back for a while, like she did when like SmackDown, you know, first did the brand split and she came up from NXT. She was the centerpiece of everything they did and, and it went well. Um, so they, they definitely have an area there that they could heat her up and get her into a good spot. Um, whether it's with her and Bianca or her and Ronda, whatever they do. I mean, she's not going to beat either of those, but it could just be a way to position her up top. And kind of what we were saying with the Sasha combo, they they really could stand to heat up some of these mid-card women um, because it seems so super top-heavy. Um, I mean, every look at the two women in this title matches on the show, Natty and Carmella. They kind of just had to force them into it by winning a campy first number one contender match to even get into that spot. It's, they're not believable to win. Um, when an Alexa versus a Bianca, you know, you don't think that she would win, but, you know, she's at least, you know, been someone that they've hitched their wagons to in the past. So Alexa's an intriguing name here, if we're going to really speculate if it's not Becky. Um, but I obviously am picking Becky to win it. Yeah, as am I. But, you know, you said about building up and heating up and taking chances. I would use this Money in the Bank women's money in the bank briefcase for, you know, a newer character or a returning character to kind of change their directions. One being Lacey Evans, you know, personally, no, I'm all set, but you know, they've put an invest, they've invested a lot in her since WrestleMania with the six weeks of vignettes throwing her on raw. Oh shit. We need her on SmackDown. Hey, she's a baby face. She's a heel. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We laid stuff out. So now she needs to be a baby face. So we want to do stuff with Lacey, but we're unsure what we want to do with Lacey. So at the end of the day, they have this, they, the baseline of her character is a girl, a tough girl that's gone through a lot in life, has done a lot in life and, you know, should earn your respect, right? But I would use, you know, if we're going to go with Lacey, I would use her in a spot here where that's your baseline, but she flips it upside down. And then she, you know, this matches first. She wins the money in the bank and then she right away cashes it in, makes Rhonda and Maddie a triple threat. And she pins Natty. She stays away from Rhonda. She stays away from another obstacle in life and she takes a short way out. Right. So she go totally goes against the core of her baseline character that they developed they did it for a reason because she's a shitty shitty heel so if they wanted that's the only lane i could see lacey evans really working opposed to that conquering babyface hero that really no one sees that everyone sees through not her accomplishments but her really the substance of her character and the other one and and character is a good way to put it because it's like this is a match that seems like it's going to determine who's gonna like like i like what mike was saying about alexa because it's like if she doesn't, if she wins this, they're behind her. But if she doesn't, I, it'll be telling because do they even care about her anymore other than just having her on TV? Because her character is weird now. Like you said, she's got the doll. Is she she's darker? But it seems like just she's just kind of nothing. So, like, it will show you that they actually have something in mind for her and it'll give Lacey a character. And it, it really seems like this is going to develop a character for whoever wins it, not just be a way to get them a title shot. It seems like it's really going to be what their character is going on. Yeah, they've done an okay job of establishing baselines and characters, right? But they do a really poor job of escalating them because they escalate them when they need them in a way. So they do a good, like a shitty job of getting them ready, but they kind of get them ready, but they don't really execute it. Like, but back in the day, like think of the Attitude Era, right? You you have guys are always evolving and rising up the lengths on the ladder 
because of their characters, because of their many feuds, everything's meaningful back of the day. Now it's just like they do a decent job of getting the baseline ready, but then they just do a shitty job of heating them up. And that's why they don't really stick. If you know what I mean? Like they heat the pasta up, but they don't cook it all the way or they don't let the the, the meat simmer so long. So it tastes funky in spots. It's just they need to get better at things, but they I don't know. I, I don't know. I think they're kind of starting to, but I don't want to give them the credit, the, the benefit of the doubt, because look at it. But another one of those characters could be Raquel Gonzalez or Raquel Rodriguez. You know, she's they have her come in and she's overly smiling. She's overly nice. She's a pretty, a very pretty muscular lady. Right. So she, you look at her and you're like, wow, she's beautiful. And then you look at her and she's like, wow, she could be super menacing. So you look at that and you, hmm, wow, that's her character trait. Let's build on that. You would think, right? So it's like, all right, let's just overdo the smiling because when you smile, you're a beautiful lady, but to your core, you're a strong muscular girl. That's going to fuck shit up. Right? So by the baseline, it works. But then they throw you in the Ronda, they throw her in the ring with Rhonda because, you know, Bailey and Sasha stuff or Sasha and Naomi stuff kind of fall out. So they're like, ah, let's throw the Kel in there. But, you know, if that could be adding to a little substance to Raquel, maybe we want to see how she looks against Rhonda and we can cash in on this baseline of a character we've started developing. So they do that. And then, but here's the thing before Raquel wins, she needs to do the same path as Lacey, but she needs to do it straight on to Ronda. She needs to look her right in the eye. She needs to be really show that ass-kicking side. She really needs to show that muscular side. And she needs to put that take wipe that take that smile and wipe it off her face and be like, gotcha, bitch. And then just like power bomb her 66 times. And that's the fucking finish. And she's the first non-horsewoman to pin Ronda Rousey. Yeah, one of the things that they do, unfortunately, is it's like the character will be defined by the prop, not the prop, not how the, the prop will. A character gets the prop of the, the briefcase and maybe back in the day, they that's that's how they interact. But this is the prop is going to make the character and that's how they've been doing it. So it's not like, you know, what this character will do once they get this briefcase. Um, I like that. You know, we've all discussed Big Daddy. Uh, cool. Ra- Raquel is a character we've seen before and worked amazingly. Um, so her doing that with a little heel turn ski is the best thing for her. They do. She seems to be on the wrong side of the tracks or the wrong side of character right now. So, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. Like, and, and, and then my last one is is Becky, of course. And there's you could do it a million ways. You could you can do her and she loses and she continues her emo phase of Becky, which is is fine to me. I don't mind it. I think it's I think she does. a She acts it really well. She portrays her character really well but i can see people getting annoyed with that direction because what she should be and what she could be and that's that conquering baby face you know what i mean so here's the thing she wins the briefcase and she feels fulfilled again and it's like she's like wow it's that fulfillment is promise and that promise is a direction and that direction is is it the title or is it being like the man? Is it being the top bitch on, in this division? Is it conquering your ne- nemesis in burying them once they? Because you, you, she sent Ronda home, right? And Ronda emerged, and when Ronda emerged, she scuffled at Ron. It said at Becky and said, eh, "I'll see you later. I got other things to do." And this is the A show. You go play on the B show. But in reality, you know. 
Ronda has brought that show down, and Becky and the supporting cast have brought Raw up, and the Raw women's division is much better and deeper, and there's more substance, and there's really no debate there than the SmackDown side. So here's the thing. If I'm Becky Lynch, I get that briefcase, and I don't do the instant cash-in in a way, but I do a sudden cash-in. I do the instant call out Ronda Rousey, either it's at, if it's after the match, if it's on SmackDown, it's whatever. And I'm calling my shot for SummerSlam. And I just say, this this briefcase has liberated me again. And the liberation made me realize that I need to take you down. And they cash in on that big match. They don't wait till WrestleMania. Because here's the thing. You wait to WrestleMania, it's the fans want to go on a journey. The That's the problem with WrestleMania season. They see the things happening, right? So then they they rebel in a way. I would surprise the fans and i would cash in on that big token match that they have at SummerSlam in nashville in that stadium it's the second from the top big box office in my opinion let's say you guys okay let me let me play devil's advocate to that because i love the idea and i think that that's something that they should do because i feel like you know they've got to figure out a way to get more out of ronda now and that would be a good way to heat her up but let's play devil's advocate so say they do that in SummerSlam. Who is going to be – who would be Ronda's opponent at Mania then? Heat like, someone up. Have it be organic. If it's Raquel Gonzalez, if it's Bianca Belair, why can't she challenge Bianca Belair? You know what I mean? Bailey, Becky, Sasha, whatever. I think Ronda will be a heel by WrestleMania. The crowd's going to get sick of her like they always do, so I think she'll be a heel by Mania. And, uh, why can't her uh, and Shayna uh, run the tag division, you know? <laughs> about that. <laughs> I think I think a Bianca um, – Ronda, where Bianca gets rid of her again, like for the that's it for for uh, Ronda for a while. So I could see that happening. Becky worked because she was organic. Some girl will emerge. They have a hell of a talent roster. Let it happen. Girls start going to get motivated. The writers are going to get motivated searching for someone. We have six months from now laid out, and we have to fill in the gaps. That has been a failing system forever. Let's fill in the gaps quicker. Our depth is deep enough. Our roster is middling, but the middling is deep. So let's start emerging people organically opposed to placing people in spots and filling in the rest. Because look at the bottom of this card. That's filling in the rest. And that's what we've been bitching about the last two minutes. But the, the whole my whole thing about this women's money in the bank is I've pitched all these ideas. Rossi's pitched these ideas. Rocco's bitched about this. It all circles around Ronda Rousey. They need to use this money in the bank to tweak whatever she's doing. Because there's so much there that they could be doing with her, but it's just not clicking. And they should realize that, and hopefully they realize that. I think they know it in their heart. And she should be used, like, if this is the last year, right? Yeah, like, she might, this might be it for her, right? We got this one year left. It's like, we, <laughs> yeah, like, we need, like, make her make people. Like, she, people still, like, people who don't watch wrestling still are aware of what she's doing, and there's a chance, like, she could be seen with someone, and it should be a way to get some of these cool people that we talk about that haven't had a chance at chance. And a really cool thing would be a, uh, I think a, a Bailey comeback versus a heel Ronda might be a, a WrestleMania worthy match too that I'd like to see. Yeah, or that could be the SummerSlam match we're sitting on it, and that's decent too. Ross, you got anything else here before we jump to the men? No, not really. I mean, I I just feel like you know Becky cashing in and like calling your shot for SummerSlam is super like babyfaceish too. Um, Which so, your direction should be. Yeah, which is it definitely should be. I just don't know if they're going to pull that trigger yet. I mean, which I agree. I'm just being. Yeah, no, for sure. And but I'm I'm just trying to figure out like what they do with it once she has it, unless she just like 
does the false cash-ins nonstop. I mean, she could do that. I mean, say they open the show with this. I could see her doing a false cash-in with both women you know, on the <laughs> same show um, just to kind of show, hey, I'm, I'm Becky fucking Lynch. You know what I mean? So um, it, it's interesting. I mean, her having it will definitely add layers to the character. Um, but it's also like so unnecessary. I wish they don't. They didn't do it, but I, they're going to. That that would be, you know, we bitch and bitch and bitch, but in a way or whatever, we 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 talk it out or whatever. But her fake cashing in on both ways that would be kind of funny to me. I'm not gonna lie. I like that idea too. All right, we got the men's. We got Seth freaking Rollins versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus versus Almost versus Sami Zayn versus Riddle versus TBA. Rossi, these names, same to Rossi. I'm same thing I asked Rocco. These are the names that the order that they qualified. Does that matter to you or am I just whatever? I don't think the order that they qualify matters, um, but I, I will say that we can we can eliminate Om, Omas and Sheamus like pretty much right away, I think. Right away, yeah. Um, and even probably the TBA um, because, you know, assuming that's Kevin Owens, um, which, you know, there's some probably tea leaves to that. Like maybe that's why they didn't announce it on Monday, but it's weird that they did a last chance battle Royal when there's still another spot open. That's what, what's weird. Yeah. That was, that was a little wonky, but there, there could be some depth there. You know, you know, something we talked about last night that we'll, you know, we'll get into here. There, that could be a tea leaf or something, but I don't know. I could see. Eliminating Sheamus and almost I agree, but saying let's go TBA, having TBA be Kevin Owens, I think yeah it's probably fifth from the top, but I wouldn't rule it out. I think it's I think it's one I think it's a great idea and it could be a you know like a gold watch moment where it's like dude you've been crushing it you resign you crushed the the, uh, the Stone Cold feud we put you with this Elias stuff and it's fucking working off of your back here's your gold watch in the money in the bank briefcase. Hey, but we don't know what we're doing yet. We'll figure it out. And eh, we're not sure if you're going to cash in correctly, but here's your gold watch. The, the almost being in there is kind of, it's like kind of the elephant in the room. And, uh, but it's kind of the weird thing where it's like, he doesn't need to win, but it's going to be one of those things to establish him as a giant where all the dudes are going to like bury him under ladders, like a big show kind of thing. And that's how they just, or a Strowman, where it's like, oh, he's so big, every guy had to take him out, you know? So I think that's kind of what they're going to go for here, where it's like, uh, you know, no one wants to see that dude climb a ladder, but I think that's how they'll still try, because obviously they like him, obviously they're trying to get him over, we ain't gonna, ain't the last we're going to see of this dude. So I think that's a way that they're going to try to get him over in this match, is by, you know, everyone needs to take him out. Are you with Kevin Owens being the TBA, Rocco? Seems like it. He's the uh, the ladder match guy. He's had some of the best ladder matches I've ever seen in my entire life. He's always fun with multiple ladders, and uh, he seems like he's a good glue to be in there. Um, and just the pot, you know, him and Sammy together is always cool to watch. It always gets a little thing when they make when they lock eyes and start going for it. Uh, <laughs> so that's always a cool little thing there. So yeah, I, he makes the most sense to me, and I think he's a good guy to be in there with a lot of guys who. Looking at the list, besides him and Sammy, don't have a lot of ladder match experience besides maybe like a Rollins. But, you know, I think that's a good way to have him in there. And like you said, they trust him and they trust him with a guy like almost probably to kind of lead a guy like that around in a match, too. And, you know, I don't know if I've seen him and Riddle in a WWF ring. So that's kind of intriguing to me to see them, too. 
Yeah, that's a unique matchup, too. That's that's a cool one, too. That would be awesome. You bring up Sami Zayn. I would say he's middling in resulting here. You know what I mean? If we're, if he's he's third from the top, third from the bottom, right in the middle on who I would think could win. Rocco, is there any juice with Sami just winning this briefcase and he presents it to Roman like, I got your back, Oos. I Let me in the bloodline. This briefcase gets him in the bloodline, but he's the ultimate manipulator. And then he's just buying his time to cash it in, successful or not, on Roman. Or maybe he, it's something weird where, you know, Brock Lesnar wins and then Sammy gives him the briefcase to try to cash in and win back. Just something silly, something wonky with Sammy. Is there any chance that he could cash in and win? What do you think, Rossi? I love the idea of Zayn winning this and kind of being that's the way that he's really like confirmed to be in the bloodline. Like, hey, I've got your uh, I've got that briefcase. There's nothing to worry about. I, I'll never cash it on you. And then every time Reigns is vulnerable, they can cut to Zayn like looking at the briefcase. The Usos looking at him, Heyman looking at him and him being like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. Um, but it brings me up like I know we talked about it in the in the failed attempt of the recording last night. But what happened? And this brings up a good question to think about. What happens if someone cashes in during a last man standing match? Does it just, does that then become like a three-way last man standing match? Obviously it's not going to happen because that's, you know, something that they don't have a game plan for. And they're gearing up to talk about like, who's going to cash in after the last man standing match. But there's definitely some fun scenarios here where, you know, Zane could possibly help Roman win based off, you know, the fact that he's trying to get into the bloodline. And then, you know, look at the briefcase and look at Roman when Roman's laid out and see, oh, well, shit, I can go win the title right now. Um, that would make for amazing TV. I don't think that they'll pull the trigger on it, but I kind of wish they did because it would be so, so amazing to see on a week over week basis. And his, him winning would be such a wild, like ultimate opportunist moment. Fits his character perfectly if he gets a sneaky way to win and like someone knocks, you know, Riddle off the ladder or something and he sneaks up there. Like it really would fit how his character is. And like Mike said, it's going to it would make really cool TV for him to have that. And it, the way he would interact with Heyman and and Roman and uh, the bloodline. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. And it would really help if they're really going all in on Riddle, like to have to like having setting up. He can't get a title match. Hopefully there's something in mind where maybe this leads to him. He loses this, and then the only way he could get Roman again is to work his way through to, like, a Rumble. I know it's a little far away. He has to win the Rumble, but, like, to really build him up. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating. But Sammy on top of the ladder with his eyes bulging out of his head, not believing he won the the thing, is a really cool image in my mind that I think I would get a real kick out of. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it, honestly. With Riddle, that's, like, the one in the two that I really want. But my number three... Is Drew McIntyre? He's here. I've slot him here. It's it's kind of a lazy spot for the WWE, but it's a safe spot for the WWE. They're not sure what they want to do with the other six. I'm pretty sure they want to have Drew face Roman or Brock at the castle. Go into Wales with the conquering babyface challenging the the super villain champion and go from there. But if they wanted to get lazy, they could use the Money in the Bank briefcase to do that. That's my big thing, too, is, like, he doesn't need it. He already said that he's going to win this thing. He's going to get a title shot at that. Um, and they've already kind of covered that on TV. And then he, it's, like, almost like they backtracked off of it. So that's what part of me makes me think that they're going to go that route. But I don't. they don't have to. I mean, kind of what we were saying with, um, like like you said before, Rocco, with Becky, um, she, she just can call her shot. Drew can just call her shot. I mean, he could be like, you know, 
you're you're defending that title in, in my homeland, and I'm going to be the one that's going to beat you for it. That's all you need to do to get him into this. I mean, there's so many different layers that you have with this. Um, and when we talk about who I think is going to win it, um, we'll reference back to the Cody interview on Monday that was all just kind of out of place. Um, that's Drew just doesn't need to win this point blank. And, and I hope they don't go that route because he's kind of above it, you know? Yeah, and like I said, or a super funny guy once said, he's got enough stuff to carry into the ring. He doesn't need a sword and a briefcase and whatever the fuck else they're going to give him. So it seems it just seems odd for him to have that because he's the guy that doesn't need a cash in. That's his his character is not that, you know, like Stone Cold would never need to take a money in the bank. He's going to run up in your face and punch in the face. And that's how Drew's been established. So unless he's going to do the I call my shot thing. Uh, yeah, he it just seems very odd for him to have this. So, yeah, I don't see him winning it. Yeah, I, I I don't I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't want it, and I agree with all the things you said. All right, my number two is Riddle, right? Riddle went on and lost to Roman in that excellent match two weeks ago, and then he would go on. So by losing that, he can no longer challenge for the universe or the undisputed championship while Roman Reigns is champion. So that was a weird stipulation, but it added juice. Did they add that juice just to add some doubt to this money in the bank? And honestly, it should be Riddle. Sammy's stuff is fun and all, but Riddle is a fucking stud. He is, he has momentum. He has the Randy stuff and the crowd absolutely adores him. It should totally hundred percent be Matt Riddle, but Matt Riddle can't lose. If he wins this and fails, I don't want to say he's dead in the water, but he he's a hurting and he's swimming and he's and he's sinking and it's not going well for him unless if Randy stuffs a swerve and Randy kind of fucks him out of it and he can't be his own man and he keeps relying on Randy and stuff like that, whatever. That's the kind of the lane they're going on. They're building equity there. And once he conquers and wins and beats Roman Reigns and needs to be with his own stuff, his own new finishing move, think Daniel Bryan, SummerSlam 2013, debuting that move or bringing that move back out of nowhere against John Cena. And that was kind of his lane. So I don't know. It's got to be Riddle. Is Riddle your guys, you know, like just like Oscar was your favorite, is Riddle winning this? Would that be your favorite like moment, not your favorite betting odd? If you ask me, um, mm, yeah, I think so. Um, I think this is the problem with knowing stuff and having being a fan that knows a lot or not knows a lot. Just over analyzing these things and knowing how the predictability of their stuff is because say riddle wins right and so what's the goal for him is can roman is roman gonna lose this belt not at a wrestlemania and that's the thing i guess because there's the two belts and i don't know how this whole thing works but to me it seems like roman can't lose unless it's at a wrestlemania at this point so then riddle has the money in the bank for six months sorry a year almost, you know, that's a long time for him to have this money in the bank and to play this story out. So that's the weird thing about it. And it's like, I kind of wish we weren't based on that, but there's really no sh big after you know, SummerSlam's taken. And then we know that that weird Chris end of the year time is just nothing usually happens. So that's the thing that's a little bit of a weirdness for me to think of him just having this for so long and not, you know, using it to sneakily, I don't know. That's just my brain working, but I think he'd be the most fun way to do it. I don't, I really don't see him doing it, but I could see him having a really cool showing and a really, like I, I'm picturing a super like RKO off a ladder. That might be the thing that takes him out, you know, cause he's still, that he's still a little distracted by his old ways, you know? So I don't know, something like that would be cool, but I like I, I think he'd be a fit. I think he's the fan's favorite to win, right? The crowd's going to want him to win. 
I would love him to win. I, he's the one that I want to win the most. I mean, he's probably my favorite wrestler right now. Um, but my my thing with him is, as I'm kind of afraid that they would make the, the briefcase too goofy with him. Like, I like that they've kind of gone, like they've kind of turned up the seriousness with him. But I I don't know. I could see him like, you know, they play off his stoner stuff so much. Like he loses the briefcase or something stupid. Like. Left to their own devices sometimes, those writers can come up with some real stupid shit. And especially with Riddle, like they don't they they kinda book themselves in the corner with him sometimes. Like, I mean, I know that it was part of like a down in your luck storyline, but just look at a couple weeks ago when he has this massive match with Reigns and then he comes back and he loses to Omas in three three and a half minutes. Like there's just stuff that they do. That, you know, obviously you kind of forget about that Omas Omas match now that he won the money in the Battle Royal. But I just don't trust their booking with him enough right now that they wouldn't turn this money in the bank into something being too goofy. Um, when, you know, we want to start putting him in more serious, you know, avenues and ventures, not, you know, going backwards. And I just don't like to fill three hours of TV every Monday. I could see them doing some real goofy shit with him in that briefcase. Yeah, like he's he's not Kurt Angle where he could go from goofy to fucking killer yet. They haven't established him as the killer enough that he could still go on go get away with the dumb shit they might make him do, right? So that's a really good point because I don't I don't like you said we don't have faith that they could do that. He I think he could do it, but yeah. I, they haven't established him as that killer who can be the Kurt Angle who could go from one to the other in a fucking one show, you know. <laughs> All right, but give me one week where at least he has rolling papers in his fucking in the briefcase. <laughs> at least give me that for once, but don't do it every week. A straight up bong, the first bong on WWF TV. <laughs> or or the or the or the bong smoke when he opens up the briefcase. Come on, this is how the writers' room works. Let's go. <laughs> all right, so all right, the favorite is Seth freaking Rollins. Uh, it's it's you could do a few things with him. You could be he could just come in and cash right in the middle of that Brock Lesnar match, and maybe he goes for one of the belts. Maybe they say that it's a universal title, at Last Man Standing, and he cashes in and pins Roman or Brock for the WWE Championship. That's like an out of the box left field. Or they could just throw it in and ha- throw him in, turn him pseudo confidence. I don't want to say babyface, but he could have like pseudo confidence and be like he's Seth freaking Rollins and he's gonna go repeat at WrestleMania 31 but this time he's calling a shot and oh wouldn't you know those guys are fighting at SummerSlam so I'm calling my shot at SummerSlam and I'm gonna cash in again just like I did at WrestleMania 31 and that's kind of the lane and it's predetermined and it's a three-way I don't know how they do it maybe it's two falls I don't know just fucking break these belts up what about you guys um, having him turn face like literally after he just destroyed like the biggest baby face in the company would seem insane to me, and that is that would be just insane. I mean, he's like one of the only dudes who's pinned both Brock and Roman on the fucking whole roster, pretty much, right? So it's one of the few guys I think you were saying that he uh, recently that that they do trust to be in a WrestleMania main event unless they do elevate one of these other dudes. But his story is so close to his so so close to Becky's, and they're pretty much the same character now, and they're both kind of had the same path like for Seth to get to his mania match and for Becky to get to this point where she's had her slump. So it just, it just seems so boring for him to win. That's all I got to say. No, I agree. And I baby face as in, in his own head, he's going to present himself as a baby face by calling a shot. He's not a baby. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. 
He's just like, and you're 100% right, Rocco. Like, it seems like him and Becky are like literally playing the same character right now. Um, and it's strange, like, just eccentric, over the top. She's more of like a like serious, and he's like a goofball. Um, but it's just like having them both win it just seems like obviously it seems like the obvious route that they're gonna go. But it also is like unsexy for the viewer. Um, now Rollins is obviously somebody that you know, can take this thing and he can bring it to a, a good height because obviously they're, they see him as that main event level. He's probably one of five guys in the company that they would put in a WrestleMania main event and be comfortable with it. Uh, but I'm afraid that they like put them back together on TV with this, which they acknowledge it, but they don't really like ever like put them on screen together. Right. Um, and I could just see them doing something on TV again together when they both had the briefcase. And I really don't want that. That kind of slowed her heat down when they did that last, last two years ago, whatever it was, three years ago, and also killed him completely as a baby during that. So um, that was before obviously the, the Bray cage, which killed him, you know, dead. But ultimately like I liked, I love Rollins. I just don't think it's like we were saying with Drew, he doesn't need this to get to that level. And I feel like it would just be like, a crutch because it was going to be Cody. So let's just give it to the person that's been closest to Cody in story, you know? And yeah. if he wins, I feel if he wins, that's, it's, it's a heel and a heel that I think, I think it deflates. <laughs> that's like a tough last moment of the card. If it's the main event too. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I agree if, with me. It's not if, great. Now, if you look at this card, it's lacking star power and it's lacking moments. You know what I mean? So, what if they did the last TBA is going to be determined like night of whatever, right? And Cody Rhodes just had an interview on Raw saying if Seth Rollins wins, he's going to be the first one to congratulate him. And then you get a scenario where Seth Rollins climbs up that ladder, and then Cody Rhodes, three weeks out of surgery, <laughs> somehow just get pushes him off the ladder. Magic happens, and then Cody Rhodes climbs the money, climbs the briefcase, and he grabs the contract and he is your champ and he doesn't really touch anyone or he doesn't really hurt himself and then him and the briefcase are are gone off tv and he can return at any moment and no one knows oh boy i think there's a bigger chance john cena comes out and wins the fucking money in the bank than that happened cody's a fucking psycho and he was the pick to win it you never know you could see them coming up with that scenario and and He's a tough motherfucker. He don't give a fuck. He, that's his, that was his opportunity. That was his chance. You know what I mean? What would this card have been if it was in a stadium? Like, what the fuck would they have done? I think that we would have had Brock against someone, Roman against someone. You think they would have just pulled the trigger right on for this one? Because this card in a giant stadium seems woefully <laughs> like... Oh, yeah, they... Yeah. They probably would have held off on the uh, Riddle match until now, I'm assuming. Mm, interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. That, they would have held off to the Riddle. Brock probably would have got a heater match. Like, like that would have been a perfect opportunity to give Brock Sheamus, right? You know what I mean? Heat him up, a dream match, go out there for eight minutes and fucking kill each other. That would have been super cool. That would have been a really fun spot, and it wouldn't have killed Sheamus at all. So maybe they would have done that, and then they would have had Rhea and, and uh, Becky for the first time. Or Rhea and... Bianca for the first time in a stadium is warranted. You know what I mean? Well, so she, she wouldn't have been there anyway, though. So they still would have had yeah, to pull something out of her ass. Pull uh, something out of her ass. Shit, I forgot about Rhea. So Rhea's Rhea Bianca can easily happen at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think that's a happy coincidence for Rhea. 
Yeah, I think we uh, we could say that that's probably better off that she gets the a bigger match without having a, a bridge match in between. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else on WWE TV, Raw and SmackDown before we hit NXT that you want to talk about that is not on this card that we just hammered? That you can think of. We got to talk about Gunther, right? Um, and something that, you know, I wanted to mention, um, and we actually didn't talk about it when we recorded this the first time, but WWE put an interesting tweet out on uh, Monday, or it might have even been Tuesday morning, um, and it, it was a picture of John Cena with, like, you know, the Intercontinental title, like, superimposed on him. Mm-hmm. And it said, um, you know, this is the last title John needs for the Grand, for the, the Grand Slam. And I was like, oh, shit, he, he's never won the IC title. So that immediately made me start to, start to think about, you know, I don't think that'll happen at SummerSlam. But, I mean, if you want to elevate uh, Gunther, then that could be a good match for the Cardiff show. Yeah, that's awesome. And, mm, wow. and um, you know, Gunther and Cena, I mean, that's fucking huge. That's like going to be, that would be right up there to the European crowd with whatever they do with Reigns and, and Drew, right? So that's a really good spot, and that could be an area, you know, we were talking about how Cena, you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how obviously Cena needs to get a win when he first wrestles, and if he beats Theory, which we all expect him to do at SummerSlam, then he could eat a loss to Gunther, and then, I mean, what a good way to go out for another vacation, um, or, you know, leave leave the summer of Cena alone with him putting over, um, you know, this guy that might be their next big star. Yeah, and the idea of, if it's not just one-off matches, like, God, it's so funny to think, like, if you said this to us, or me at least, 10 years ago, that you're going to be drooling over the idea of John Cena coming back and having, like, dream matches with Gunther, and, like, like it's, like, so fucking funny, but it's something, you just, that was such a cool thought that you just said, like, and I'm like, wow, I really want to see that match, and it's a cool way for him to do kind of his U.S. title thing that he did and do, like, a quick little run-ski through the, uh, through the through the current dudes, you know, and get some wins and be like, you know, put over a couple of dudes. But wow, I like that idea a lot, man. Yeah, I was going to say it's his the new generation U.S. title ch- open challenge run in, in a in a low key way. And it's good for the IC belt too. get some shiner. Big, you know, seen as a legacy fucking star. He's he's go he showing how important the title would be to him. It, that goes a long way to kind of bump up the prestige of that prestigious title. Yeah, like just just him interacting in the back with like uh like uh I think uh, I think Mike mentioned it about with the street profits on Raw. Just like you said, it's when a dude like these guys who have this much star power, when you see them with other guys, they just seem more important. It's just how it is. Seeing these people on TV makes them seem more important, and he could do that. And just uh, you know, and having just a segment in the back with a lot of these dudes can really make you go, oh. They belong with him, and I haven't seen them portrayed in a, as a superstar. He he treats them more like they're a superstar than the show they're on does, you know. So, yeah. so Rocco, when when you're at your concert doing your things, you know, mm-hmm. screaming into the microphone, do you see guys that look like the Viking Raiders from last Friday night <laughs> at the show? There are a lot of bald, bearded men with tattoos. Um, um, they're heels to me because they're straight edge, uh, like the Viking Raiders. But that just shows, yeah, there's a lot of dudes like that. And you think they're really tall, but you get next to them and they tend to be a little shorter than you think. Uh, their face paint could be a little more uh, evocative of uh, real black metal bands that uh, use that kind of thing. There's a little minimal. Um, I think they could kick that look up a little bit. But the Viking Raiders as heels is the most excited I've been for them since they debuted 
and dis- were kind of disappointing after they debuted. So I do like the idea of them coming in. Uh, I'm going to steal something a great man named Ryan Gray said about how they should probably not be talking um, as much, or maybe Mike said that, and give them, uh, I don't know what kind of mouthpiece, they don't really do mouthpieces, but uh, I like the idea of them coming in as shit-kicking heels, and it's the most excited I've been for them in a while, because uh, they've been a, a huge wheel-spinning team for for uh, quite a bit. That may have been Logan, but Rossi, you got any thought on he's this? A, he's a great man, too. Yeah, I love the Viking Raiders, so any direction for them, I'm cool with. Um, I mean, they were stuck in the mud as baby faces, so them as heels with any sort of direction, I, I love the idea of. Um, them in the New Day should have some killer matches, so let's see it. Let's see what they do. Let's see if they get behind them. I mean, it's another scenario where the the, uh, the tag titles are almost being held hostage right now, right? Um, but I think that the tag titles more so than the world titles, I'm kind of happy they're down to like the unified singular tag titles because they, there isn't enough of great teams in WWE for really there to be warranted to. And most of the time where there is two active teams that are champions, one of them's like a piecemeal together team. Um, when now you actually might have, you know, the Raiders, the Street Profits, the Usos, Rude and Ziggler. Um, which you know they're put together, but it's been a while now. Um, who else am I? Who else am I missing here for tag teams? There's probably another Los couple. Los Lotharios. Los Lotharios. But I mean that in itself. We said Los Lotharios fifth, so that kind of tells you that there really should only be one title. Um, so having the Viking Raiders run up as a heel now, then as soon as the Usos drop the titles to a babyface team, um, then you know the Viking Raiders will be the most viable competitors from there. Yeah, I could see them destroying, like, the Mysterios for a couple weeks, right? Building up to having a tag title match with, like, whoever might possibly be a babyface team. Yeah, it's good stuff, good stuff. And then we got bum-ass Corbin pretty much going to face Pat McAfee at SummerSlam. Now, do you think Pat is fantastic? I love him. He's great. Corbin it's kind of a different wavelength for him in ring, right? You're not going to have an Austin theory size guy. You're not going to have an Adam Cole size guy in there. Corbin's going to have what? 40 pounds, 50 pounds on McAfee. I don't think it matters, but it kind of, you know, gets me a little, Hmm, that's unique. You know what I mean? Is that, am I overreacting or is that something, is that interesting in a good way or interesting in a, Hmm, how's that going to go away? I think it's a good match for McAfee. Um, Corbin and him should have a good build-up to it. Um, they, this is definitely a spot where they need to pull the trigger of having Corbin uh, budge in or barge into his show one day. Um, because, you know, that'll just kind of build this up in the media. They've got, what, maybe four weeks until SummerSlam at this point. Um, so I think that this is a few that, that should – you know, pick up speed pretty quick. Um, like we were talking about in the in the failed recording here, you know, this probably ends up being like a street fight or something. Um, because you know, you're probably not gonna be able to have like the the flashy in ring that he had with Theory and Adam Cole. But you know, you're gonna be able to show different layers to McAfee here. You know, maybe he'll take a table bump, maybe he'll do some things that, you know, are kind of goofy. But he works in that scenario. I mean, I think McAfee's at the point that whatever you put in his direction, he's going to make work. Um, and, I mean, the promos he's going to cut on the build-up to this, Corbin, too. I mean, Corbin will get to respond next week to the promo this week, and uh, then they can really kick it into gear from there. So, And this is even something that they might even continue at Money in the Bank. You know, They might um, have Corbin come out between matches and just start lipping with uh, – with uh, McAfee and then they can kind of go back and forth, maybe do a pull apart brawl or something and really heat this puppy up. 
Yeah, with the small card, you know, that's 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 a very good point. You know, that's definitely a good mid mid match between match segment to have. Uh, it's funny, like you said, like Ryan, it's like I, I like that he's a bigger dude because he could really, you know, maybe lay it in on uh, McAfee. And since he's also like the least experienced too, you know, Coles was you know like a ten year vet when he fought him, and Theory's been around for even though he's young, he still he probably has more years under his belt than Corbin. I could be wrong about that, but the the thing with McAfee is he's so fucking over with live crowds that he's and Corbin's so hated that it's not going to take much. And you like a like a weapons brawl, like you said, Mike, is is the perfect place. And the crowd, like I said, the crowd is going to they love him. So he takes some heat. He does some fucking flashy shit that he's really good at. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, I mean, fuck, they might go off a Titantron with him at a SummerSlam to give him a big moment because he's never done something like that. And he seems like the type of dude who'd love to do a big ass bump. So I, I think it's uh it's going to be a moment. It's going to be a moment match, right? It's going to be whatever the match is. And then there's going to definitely be a uh, gift worthy moment. I feel so. I think it's a fun, fun matchup. Fuck, Probably the most cool. excited I am for Corbin for in a while. Yeah. It might be his best match. Fucking maybe ever singles. All right. Well, we have to meet a quota, Madcap boss and Max Dupree. All right. Now on to NXT. I met my quota. Yeah. NXT 2.0, it's a love or hate show. It's very interesting, this Great American Bash for me, one, because we talked a little bit about Triple H. We're unsure of his role, but this is the first major show with him back. It's an in, it's an eight-match card. So part of me is like, are they going to go like two weeks like this, like they were before? But I don't know, this is interesting. We got Braun Breaker versus Cameron Grimes for the NXT Championship. We got Toxic Attraction versus Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. We got Carmelo Hayes versus Grayson Waller for the North American Championship. We got Trick Williams versus Wes Lee. The Creed Brothers versus Julius and Brutus versus the Diamond Mine. Damon Kemp and Roderick Strong. We got Wendy True and versus Tiffany Stratton. We got Apollo Crews versus Zion Quinn. And we got Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen versus Pretty Deadly for the NXT UK title. That is eight matches, and it's a better lineup than TakeOver or whatever their no-in-your-houses or stand-and-delivers are. This is a pretty loaded show. What do you got? Rossi, which match are you looking most forward to? Oh, um, I'm most looking forward to Grimes and Waller. Um, they they have good chemistry together, as seen in that ladder match Mania weekend. Um, and Waller's kind of been taking a backseat the last few weeks. I think he was there sort of an elbow injury out of that Mania show. Um, so these two should have a banger. I mean, Grimes doesn't have bad matches. Waller has all the potential in the world. Um, these two have styles that will play well off of each other. I think this is a really good like opener for the show, you know? Um, and then I'll also give a shout to Roxanne and, uh, uh, Cora, the, the mega powers. Um, I think that those two and, um, toxic attraction should have a banger and, and like, uh, Rocco had said originally, I'm going to steal it. Um, this is going to allow the toxic attraction girls to kind of work big for once um, because of these other girls are so small. It's a different dynamic. And I think that there it's going to be a fun little match. I mean, all four of them can go. So this should be, you know, one of the, the better NXT tag women's tag matches in a while. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that one. Uh, the most on this card. And uh, I don't know if they're going to keep the, uh, I think Mike had mentioned once the uh, core Jade Roxanne, I think they're going to stay together for a little while. Um, I guess it's a good way. It's interesting that Mandy's not on the card. Uh, you, I guess she had a cool match on Tuesday, though, so I guess you don't need her on everything. And she'll, I'm sure she'll be out with Toxic Attraction. 
So, yeah, that's the match I'm looking forward to the most. And I think it's going to be Braun Breaker's best wrestling match that he's had because Cameron Grimes is the most veteran dude on the on the whole uh, roster at this point, And he could really go. What they did on uh, on Wednesday, on Tuesday was really good. Uh, the gimmick to, with the shoulder and the shit he was saying to Braun Breaker was pretty good and pretty, pretty dark. Uh, he really went there with the shit he was saying about his uh, character and his father, like, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I was really impressed with Grimes, and I don't know if they'll, they'll prolong this because Grimes seems main event, main event, main roster ready at this point. And uh, I'm excited for uh, I'm excited to see what he could get out of Braun Breaker. If there's one match to watch, it's it's going to be that one for you know the casual of casual of I don't care about NXT type of people. Grayson and Carmelo should be good, but it's just a little wonky where it's heel versus heel. That the angle where he, he was signing basketballs and eight by tens and then he signed his contract that was pretty cute and that was you know interesting and funny. Um, but other than that, I, I don't know, man. I'm kind of calling my shot. Brooks Jensen has something. I'm not sure what that something is, but I kind of him and Briggs, the BJ team or whatever, is weird. It's like New Age Outlaws slash APA and I don't know. It's just out there. But Brooks Jensen has something. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I would like that team at all, but even with uh, Fallon Henley on the team, it's an interesting team uh, that is uh, pretty cool. I don't know if I've really noticed one more than the other like you have, but uh, I think it's a cool team, and that should be a pretty fun match too. They've let that tag team build up pretty organically. Like they, they, I don't think they ever really positioned them to be an NXT UK tag champ, but when they they lost the champs to injury, there it was a quick trigger and. You know, I, I Briggs. You know how we I feel about Briggs. I mean, he's got all the potential in the world. He's just never been able to piece it together. So uh, we'll see where they go. I mean, that should be a good match. Yeah, and they seemed like they grew in an old school NXT way, right? Kind of like the fans really got behind them, like and made them kind of. Yeah, like you said, they very organic way that they've gotten uh, to the point they're at. And uh, we'll see Apollo Cruz's first NXT match, which is uh, gonna be interesting to see how he's portrayed and how he wrestles even with a different character and. You know, is he going to be smiling, flippy do old school Apollo Crews, or is he going to be just like a brawler? It's going to be interesting to see how he handles his first NXT match. Yeah, it should or, be interesting. Inter- Zion Quinn stinks, so. I have zero opinion on that guy, so yeah, <laughs> I probably agree with you. Well, I don't, I don't, NXT should be good this week. Check it out, guys. All right, Rossi. Break us down. What do we got going on in the world of the Indies? Yeah, so GCW, um, week of June 18th and 19th, they did a show called You Wouldn't Understand in New York on the 18th. show was pretty shitty, um, but they did have an awesome main event. John Moxley successfully defended the GCW title against Tony Deppin. Post-match, Blake Christian came out for stare down with Moxley, and then on the big screen behind him, it displayed the match graphic for the match, which will be Friday, July 30th, in Nashville as part of SummerSlam weekend. So um, that ought to be cool. Um, Blake is a hell of a worker, and Moxley doesn't really, you know, he hasn't really worked a lot of these, like, flippy guys. So we'll see where that goes. Um, Providence the next night on the 19th, they were in Fett Music Hall for I Never Liked You, which is their debut in the venue. Now, this was an awesome show. Um, Ryan, you were there. What were your what was your take on this show live? Oh, it was great. It was a great show. Um 
super fun. Justin and I got a corner, so we were pretty much if you haven't seen FEP before or beyond wrestling, it's pretty much you stand around the rig side and that is your view for the whole show. Justin got there early. We we uh we cut the line and we just kind of wiggled our way to the right of the corner. And we, you know, we got some really cool shots of Osprey, really cool shots of Janella and JT Dunn. Did a pile driver right in front of us, and that's on the no so feed. My uh my little Osprey and Nick Wayne video got quite the views on Twitter, so that was pretty cool too. But overall, fantastic show. One of their best shows in a while. And Osprey's a fucking stud. That guy can go anywhere and everywhere he wants to in the world of wrestling his future is super bright he he's he really does live up to the hype and you can kind of say the same about nick wayne he's a 16 year old kid but jesus christ he filled some some big shoes against that big that against osprey and that match was well received and it was awesome yeah i mean i don't remember seeing a 16 year old as polished as he is um and he's got a lot to learn i mean son of buddy wayne um who you know he's gonna get a lot of hype too because buddy wayne and that whole Seattle scene um, is under the nose of uh, Brian Alvarez. I mean, Wade, Buddy Wade, um, you know, trained Alvarez. So Alvarez is always going to kind of have a, a soft spot for Nick Wayne. And with his connection to Defy up there, where which is Nick Wayne's home promotion, they definitely will get a lot of Wrestling Observer love. And, and Wayne's going to get hyped up to the moon, which is probably why TK came in with the contract so soon. He saw what was there and. We'll see where Nick Wayne evolves as, you know, he gets a little bit older and maybe starts getting on the AEW touring loop. Um, other matches on that show, Janela, like you said, had a banger with JT Dunn that kind of made a playback to an old Beyond Wrestling feud in the same building. Um, another match to check out there, Blake Christian over Jordan Oliver. Um, those two always have good chemistry that opened the show. And then Kevin Blackwood over Jack Cartwheel was a fun little match. Um, this weekend, there's four shows, so... When you're listening to this, the first show would have happened last night, which was in Detroit um, for a show called Dead on Arrival, mostly a deathmatch feel, not really a sexy card, but Alex Cologne defending his, um, you know, extreme, uh, whatever they call it, the deathmatch title they have um, against Dale Patrick's at that show. Um, then Friday, um, they are in Chicago for Gateway to Death, um, which is headlined by uh, Joey Janela and Davey Richards. Um, Tony Deppin faces off with the aforementioned Nick Wayne. Um, Cologne's got Cole Radrick, who's kind of come on the scene in the deathmatch circuit most recently. And a fun match um, that, Ryan, you you might be interested in, Delirious against Effie. So that's a fun match, goofy match. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be worth checking out. Then Sunday, they head over to Evansville, Indiana um, at the Evansville Coliseum, which was, you know, pretty well known. Um, Rock and Roll Forever is the name of that show, and it's going to be the Rock and Roll Express's last match in Evansville, um, which I'm assuming they worked there a lot in their lives. Um, it also might be their last match on the earth uh, because they are facing the rejects of John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley, um, two of the craziest deathmatch wrestlers in the United States, um, against the Rock and Roll Express. That is very interesting. We'll see how that turns out. Uh, Janela faces Radrick on that show. Ali Ketch uh, faces Nick Wayne, and Tony Deppin is battling Kerry Morton, who's the son of Ricky. Um, then lastly, on Monday, we have the fourth annual Backyard Wrestling Show, which is on the 4th of July. This is an invite-only show. They just announced today that that's going to be in St. Louis area, um, and hit them up if you want to go, basically. Um, nothing's announced for the show, but it's always uh, men and women using their old backyard wrestling gimmicks, so... 
that's what makes it kind of fun. There's always a couple people that break out from the show, you know, local standouts. So Midwest wrestlers, you know, you might hear some new names this weekend. Um, as for Beyond, our local promotion here in Mass, um, no real news. Uh, they did have Chris Statlander return for a, a Women's Wrestling Revolution Plus show this past Sunday um, here in Worcester. Um, they she did win a good match against Trisha Dora, who you know one of the hotter women names in the scene right now. Um, and they did announce some new names for American Rana, which is going down at the White Eagle in Worcester on Sunday, August twenty first, and that'll be Lafisto, Trisha Dora, Willow Nightingale, Lee Moriarty, Alec Price, and Masha Slamovich. So I know that card's still fluid. They're still trying to add names to that. So. Um, they'll be able to piece some good matches together, I'm sure. Um, and then just to kind of throw in, I guess it's an indie. Uh, Ric Flair's last match show, which is being put together by Jim Crockett Promotions, um, which is the Sunday of SummerSlam weekend in Nashville. There's four matches announced so far. I mean, Flair's the fifth, but they haven't announced his opponent yet. I still think that it's going to be some sort of a six-man match or something. I can't see Flair doing a full boat. Apparently, Tony Khan uh, has not signed off on letting FTR work that match, although they want to. Uh, Ricky Steamboat does not want to. Um, I think a lot of people just don't want to be part of it because, and in, in all honesty, I hate to say it, but Flair could die in this match if things go the wrong way. Um, I mean, the guy's on a fucking pacemaker, and he's going to work a wrestling match. It's, it's idiotic. Um, but, you know, when you're down in dough, you're like Flair is, you know, you keep turning out wives. You're going to need to make that money. Um, but the match is announced for this show. Uh, Killer Cross with Scarlet is going to wrestle Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, that'd be a cool match. They had a really good blood sport match a couple years ago for GCW. Josh Alexander will defend his Impact World Heavyweight Championship against Jacob Fatu. That's interesting because that's kind of the the main name in Impact. It's a main name in MLW. Um, title on the line, so politics shouldn't get in the way, but it's still interesting. And then there's a three-way match between Jordan Grace, who's the Impact Knockout Champion, and I don't think she's defending it, but it's a three-way with Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. That would be a bad match. And then kind of a, a indie dream match, uh, the Wolves of Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards will do battle with the Motor City Machine Guns of Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley. That's a match that may have happened in Impact. I, I did not confirm that, um, but it sounds like something that would have happened in Impact, but Cool show. I mean, big impact feel. I mean, they, Jim Crockett's probably in bed with them in some way when they run Nashville so much. So that could be the connection there. And, you know, hopefully Flair survives that weekend. So, yeah, that's all I got. I got to give it to Janela for this summer he's having after, you know, and really handling the AEW, like just getting let go or, you know, just not against his contract. He's really made it an effort to make sure he is the biggest wrestling indie wrestler. Like, He's doing shit all weekend, every weekend, uh, doing shit that is gift worthy and out there and, and getting seen. So I, I really got to hand it to, to him for really just fucking just almost like one of those what, like a tour of the indies that he's doing right now. And I've been, I've been really impressed, man. I think it's really cool. Yeah. He's and he's that. saying he's saying, too, that you know he's making more money now than he's doing full full blown AW, um, which I can believe because he's got the name status now that, you know, companies will fly him in. Companies will give him what he's asking. Um, and he can really be the linchpin of any show they put together. And he's starting to get some international tours. I know he's doing some work in Japan. Um, he's doing some work in Australia. He's going to be somewhere in the UK at some point. Um, GCW itself is going to be heading uh, to both Australia and the UK later in the year. And he'll be involved with both of those as well. So I agree, man. I think he's the most one of the most underappreciated wrestlers in wrestling. 
Yeah, like because don't forget he can have a match with anybody, you know. Yeah, and like don't forget, like you know, he was they really re- AEW really relied on him in the beginning to have like the crazy match with Mox and the crazy match with uh, Omega. So you know, and so he's you know he was on big TV, you know, three years ago doing big shit. So he is a name and. The matchup, anything you put him with, like, oh, super crazy? Okay, sounds fucking awesome. Because you know he's going to make it, like, a really big of spectacle. So, yeah, I've been really into that. And let's hope Paco Loco comes back to the Backyard Show for GCW. <laughs> Rocco, did you have a Backyard Wrestling name? Uh, I did not. I did not. I just used my real name. Um, I think I just said I was Sabu at one point. There is there is video footage of me having a wrestling match at a uh, beer pong tournament in uh, held in New Jersey once. We were the... We were the, uh, the between the main of the last uh, match of the tournament and uh, me and my buddy came out and uh, the cops came and they didn't get to have the last match of the tournament. <laughs> so the beer pong tournament, cause we uh, just destroyed this backyard and had all the neighbors call the cops. So, but so you I, were the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. We made sure. I mean, I guess I was just the, uh, the Ginzo Wilco. So, or something like that. But. Did you get main event money? Um, I was on ecstasy and uh, pretty drunk. <laughs> so I got the free ecstasy. So that was it. And I did take a girl home. So there you go. So I, all right, well, you sound like a main event wrestler. You you got paid in ecstasy and you brought a, you brought a rat home. So there you go. That's well, right. if you ever want to face Ryan Rare from Backyard Fame, you let me know because I'll get my partner Mikey Medium oh, and we are Medium Rare, buddy. All right. Oh, well done, rip off. All right, guys, we've had enough fun today. Logan, I am sorry that last night happened, but I appreciate your effort and we're gonna have you back soon. Rocco Rossi, you got anything before we get out of here? my band Chains of the Dead look them up on any uh, online platform but if you're going to be in the New Hampshire area July 7th Connecticut July 8th or New Jersey July 9th you could come see us live and uh, give me ecstasy any drugs we'll take them all Hell of a but, guy. I'm, but I'm married now so keep doing it away <laughs> Rossi you got anything? Um, no, not really. I mean, um, I do run, uh, I never really said this on this network, but you know, I might as well get a plug out there while I, I mean, it's something I do on the side. Um, I run a sports card break page on Facebook. Um, so if you ever want to look us up, it's 508 car breaks, um, card breaks, 508 card breaks, if I can speak. Um, I do breaks on eBay pretty much, uh, once a week or so. Um, and you know, I can try to pull you some cards that might make you a ton of money. So join them up and uh, let me know that you came because I told you to come from here. And any questions, hit me up on Twitter at 13Rossi13. Hold the handle. All right, guys, that's it for today. Thank you. You know he knows just exactly what the facts is. He ain't going to let those two escape justice.